Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. This really is the most wonderful celebration of the year. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think it was Christmas. Right? Who doesn't like to, you know, open it up presents? Uh, and now I think Easter is starting to compete with Christmas on the, uh, on the retail side of things. Um, but today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about the power of the resurrection. You know, more than 2,000 years ago, God's plan for the redemption of the world came to fruition. The power, over, the power of sin and death have been broken through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, true life, spiritual life, the life that God had planned for his creation is alive today. Amen. <clears throat> today is the culmination of our journey over this past week. Last Sunday we talked about Holy Week and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And on Friday we spoke about his... Not just his death, but that day that began with the Last Supper, continued with his betrayal, his, his betrayal, denial, arrest, beating, crucifixion, abandonment, and his death. And then finally, he's risen. You know, this, this all happened. God's plan for, for humanity came about through Jesus Christ to really to transform our lives to be back into that redeemed relationship with God. And those of us here that are believers have experienced that. But there may be some here that really don't understand what a relationship with Jesus Christ is about, don't understand really how God can transform our lives through his son. And you may be thinking, that is really a tall order to fill. You know, you don't know the problems that I have, right? And you may be struggling with, okay, I, I want to change, but I don't know if I have the power to change. I don't know if I have the power to change my outlook on life. I don't know if I have the power to be able to forgive my enemies and love my enemies. I don't know if I have the strength to heal my marriage. I don't know if I have the strength to live the life that Jesus has called me to. But you know what? That doesn't matter. The strength comes from Christ alone. He provides us with the strength to overcome every challenge that we face every day in our lives. Jesus Christ came to earth as the Son of God to live amongst us, to be the example for us for every challenge that we ever face. And as a result of the resurrection, every person that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ has the power to change their lives and has a one-way ticket into heaven. God is with them. God has freed them through Christ from the weight of sin and death. That is what today is all about. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for that final miracle, his resurrection from the dead. Father, we pray that as we get into your word today, that as we, as we learn and we comprehend and we grasp the power of the resurrection, Father, that you can just allow any burden that is in our heart, anything that would keep us from understanding that, just be set aside so you can minister to us this day. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a song that we sing that sometimes talks about the power of the cross, but the true power is in the resurrection. 
And the resurrection, the power of the resurrection has two components. It has a physical component where Jesus Christ physically overcame death. And there is the transformative power, how the power of the resurrection, the effect that it has on us. And we're going to talk about both of them. All right, so as we look at the account on the resurrection, so starting in John chapter 20, we see Mary goes to the tomb, sees the tomb is empty, then runs to go get Peter and John. Say, hey, the tomb is empty. They come and they see, they come, they look at it, see it's empty, but they really don't have any idea about what's going on. They go and they leave, they go back to their friends, and I kind of wonder what that conversation was like uh, between the two of them. Um, you know, are they kind of like, we're not going to talk about this, we're not sure why it's empty, maybe somebody stole Jesus, they're not too sure. But Mary remained, right, and she was crying there thinking that somebody had stolen Jesus. So as she's laying there, an angel of the Lord comes to her to try and comfort her. Then, Jesus, then Mary turns to the gardener, accuses him of stealing Jesus' body. Well, she was, she was partly right, because who was the gardener? It was Jesus. So as you look here, picking up in John chapter 20 and verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, so Jesus, as the gardener, said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and I place my finger into the mark of the nails, and the place my hands into his side, I will never believe. See, just as Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit has risen Jesus from the dead. And just as people were astonished by the miracle that, that Jesus had done through Lazarus, they're just as astonished here at what had happened in Jesus raising from the dead. And, I have, and Scripture further tells us that Thomas, uh, Jesus reveals himself to Thomas eight days later, so I wonder what Thomas must have been thinking in these eight days as the disciples are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord with the power of the Holy Spirit now in them. And Thomas being, why am I being left out? But we know that Jesus finally appears to him. So what we're seeing here is the physical power of the resurrection, Jesus physically overcoming death. But when then he appears to Thomas, he appears and he says, uh, the scripture tells us, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands? Put out your hands. Place them in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. 
And how did Jesus respond? Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. That is us. That is every person that has ever believed in Jesus Christ 2,000 years from his resurrection and on. We are blessed because we believe and we have not seen. Now, as we start, now we're going to move into the transformative power of the resurrection, the effect that it has on us. So a rhetorical question, have you ever done anything wrong? Right, and I say, yes, yeah. Some of us do a lot of stuff wrong. And some, maybe sometimes you may be wondering, how can God forgive you? How can he ever forgive me? About six months ago, there was a young man that had come here to the church. I was in my office uh, doing something, I don't remember. Somebody came to me and said, there's a young man sitting in, in, in the sanctuary, just sitting there crying and praying. So I went up, I kind of gave him his time, and when you know, he you know, took a break, I went up to him, talked to him for a bit, and he shared with me a story. He had committed a crime and had gotten arrested, and it was a particularly heinous crime. And he was coming to the church looking for forgiveness, and he asked me, can I forgive it to me? He says, can you forgive me? I'm like, no, I said, I don't have the power to do that. And I shared the gospel with him. I shared that that power comes from Christ by putting your faith in him. And he said, my sin is too great. God could never forgive me. See, a lot of us walk around with the weight and the pain and the burden of sin. But God tells us through Jesus Christ that he will forgive every single sin. Too often we get anchored in our past and we're held back by the guilt and the shame of what we have done. But the power of the resurrection is to, is to let me go back one, is the power of the resurrection is to cancel all of our sins. It's every sin that we've ever done, every one that we're doing now, and the one that you're going to do on July 18th, 2033, that one is forgiven also. But sometimes I try to think, okay, what does this cancel mean? You know, I kind of picture it sort of like an Etch-a-Sketch. So some of you that are younger than 30 may not know what an Etch-a-Sketch is, but that, that was the original laptop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it had like a red plastic screen, it had a red plastic a frame around it and there was like a screen and you could make designs and your goal was to make the diagonal line perfectly and it just ended looking like jagged staircases. But when you messed up, what did you do? You shook it and, and, it, and it erased. Sometimes we talk about you know, the payment for our sins being like having a loan from the bank and when you make that final payment, it's stamped paid in full. I still have our first mortgage that our it was paid in full, just as a bit of a, you know, just a bit of a memory, you know, just for a bit of a memory there. But when we say that our sins are canceled, I, I want to make sure we, we look at the word canceled properly. Right? It kind of makes sense to make sure we are looking at words right, because if we do not not using the right words, we end up with a bunch of gibberish. But, um, but words have subtle inferences. They have nuances. They really have a huge impact on what we're trying to convey. Right? So um, I'm trying to find the right way to describe the word cancel. I was looking up some synonyms and they really didn't fit. I found words like abolish, expunge, forgive, rescind, torpedoed, uh, something getting 86th. Apparently that's from, so if somebody was a server, apparently that was something from a, from a restaurant. Um, but, the, you know, as we, but the meaning really uh, of canceled doesn't mean that they didn't happen. It just means that the righteous expectation of punishment doesn't exist. We have, in our house, we moved into our, our house, the people who owned our house before us had goats. So we moved in, there was a, it was a goat house, I don't know exactly what they call it, where the goat house, where the goats go to sleep at night. 
Uh, but we didn't have goats, and it sat there in our yard for, I don't know, five or six years, probably a long time. But then we decided we wanted to get chickens, but the chickens needed a coop. But we didn't go out and buy new wood. We dismantled the goat shed, the goat house, and made it into the chicken coop. So though the remains of the goat house are there, it is completely new in its function. That's what we talk about, our sins being canceled. Our sins make up, are part of our makeup. They make up who we are, right? They form us. We learn by our mistakes. So sometimes we're going to have the regret that's going to sit in there, but the regret no longer needs to consume us because the punishment that we deserve for the sin with the offense against God has been taken on by Christ. There is no sin that is too great for Jesus Christ to forgive. If there was, he wouldn't be who he is, and that is the Son of God. Being the Son of God, he has the power to do what he wants, and he has the power to forgive every one of your sins, no matter how bad. You know, sometimes, as I was saying, people walk through life with the weight of regret. I mean, and that happens. When we hurt people that we love, and a lot of times our sins do, when we've talked about, we talked on Friday about sin, we talked about the sin of betrayal, right? It's a very personal sin. That's when we violate someone's trust. There's going to be regret, but we can't live in there because the love of Jesus Christ covers all of that. I remember back to when I had first, when I first had accepted Christ as my Savior. I mean, I, I, I grew up, I grew up Catholic, and I, and I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't really comprehend what it was like to have Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Then about 15 years ago, I had that aha moment, and I cried when I finally accepted Christ. They weren't cries of tears, they were cries of regret. Realizing the people that I had hurt, that my choices had hurt, that the choices and the decisions I made and what I had been doing, those people that hurt, those people that were close to me, my family, especially my wife. But I don't need to live there anymore. None of us do. That regret should not be controlling our lives. So if you are experiencing overwhelming regret right now from the choices you have made in your life, just cast that to Christ. That is the power of the resurrection, canceling our sin. Part of the idea of our lives and the resurrection working, the actual resurrection, the power of Jesus working inside of us is that we are a work in progress. We are always a work in progress. We're always changing. We're always making mistakes. Christ is forgiving us, but we're learning and we're growing. And the goal in our relationship with Christ is to draw us closer to him to function more like how Jesus wants us to function. But really, <clears throat> when John talks about, I'm going to actually move back two slides because I want to mention this verse right here. So at the end of John's, and uh, the, the end of chapter 20, John says here, now Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, so not written in his letter. Uh, but these were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. <clears throat> the way that that is done is by one word, and that is forgiveness. <clears throat> if we look at what Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, he says, And you, talking to the, the believers there at the Colossian church, and you who were dead in your trespasses, so dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, so living according to the world, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses. He made you alive by forgiving you of your sins. Through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, God offers complete 
forgiveness. He cancels every record of every wrong thing you have ever done. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know the sins you've committed, because he knows all things. What it means is he came to rub them out, not rub them in. He's not there to make you feel guilty. He is there to forgive you, to grow you in a closer relationship with him. One of the most common verses that a lot of us have committed to memory is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But what about verse 17? For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that we might be saved through him. You may be here thinking, well, I'm I'm not going to be condemned. I'm kind of good enough. My sins aren't that bad. You know what good enough is? Good enough is swimming swimming 99% of the way across the lake and drowning before you reach the other shore. So whether you drown in the middle or drown with the shore in sight, are you really any better off? Either way, we need Jesus Christ in our lives. And he rose from the dead so that we might be forgiven. The forgiven brings about a redemption. Redemption is a restored relationship. And in our study in Job this spring, in Job chapter 19, Job talks about how his Redeemer lives. Jesus Christ is alive today. He's been alive for 2,000 years, and we celebrate him today. For those of you here who may have accepted Christ at some time in your past, may have, okay, Jesus Christ is my Savior, but you are limping through your life. You're still struggling with sin a bit. He just wants you to constantly be with him. He wants to constantly be forgiving you your sins. He wants you to confess your sins. He wants to forgive you. He wants to constantly be erasing the slate clean. He wants to be canceling those sins. There is no further sacrifice needed to redeem you in your relationship. It was done when Christ said, it is finished. Adding anything to that, any rote prayer, any prayer to saints, any other personal sacrifice diminishes Jesus' sacrifice in ways that we can't possibly describe. There is nothing more that we need to do. The power of the resurrection is more than just forgiveness. The power of the resurrection works to transform our lives, to give us a new identity. Identity is huge in our culture. Right? Everything is about our identity. You need to be connected with some part of some group for some reason, whether it is your race, your religion, your political affiliation, your gender, your job, your house, the type of clothes you wear, what you look like. The culture says you need to be identified with something. But sometimes some of us are struggling with an identity that others can't see. Maybe we're, maybe we're struggling in our marriage. Maybe we're labeled as divorced. Maybe we think, well, well, maybe I'm not as smart as that person over there. Or maybe we're struggling on our, our finances. Maybe we're feeling unwanted or unloved. Identity has become so ingrained in our culture that our culture wants us to identify with what it says we need to be. Right? And the moment that shifts, we have to move from this place over here to that place over there. Our identity in Christ is fixed in God alone. But unfortunately, our identities can become so much about what we've done, our successes and our failures. You know, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, and sometimes we can identify ourselves with our sin. But God has created a new identity in us. Back to John, at the beginning of his book, John says, But all who have received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. How amazing. By the resurrection, by our faith in Jesus Christ, God calls us his child. He is our father. That is our identity. Our identity is as a child of God. This really is a tremendous shift in our thinking, right? Because as our identity now, our culture tells us our identity needs to be wrapped aside earthly conventions. But because Jesus Christ conquered sin and death, everything on this world, every past mistake we've ever made, every regret, every sin, everything that can possibly identify us with the world has been cast aside, and we are shaped by God alone. When we come to God with a newfound faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone as our personal Savior, and we received his gift of salvation, God calls us friend. He calls us blessed. He calls us loved. He calls us his child, a disciple, a saint. So basically, how do we know that this is true? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, and, and who... Has also put, and who has also put his seal on us, so Christ has put his seal on us, has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The word here in Greek used for the word seal is the same word that is used in the Gospels where the Romans put their seal over the tomb. So when the Romans wanted to identify something as theirs, hands off, don't touch, they put their seal on it, their logo on it. By accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, he has put his seal on us and said, you are Mine. Hands off. Right? But there's more to that. right? By him putting a seal on us, it doesn't leave us empty. What does Paul tell us? He has put a seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Jesus declared through the Holy Spirit that we are his and has given us his spirit to affirm that, to send it to us as his promise and his guarantee that we are his. What this means is that you can let go of any image of yourself that is not of God's, because you are Christ. When you're a child of God, you're not defined by your feelings. You're not defined by your experiences. You're not defined by the opinions of others. You're not defined, you're not defined by your circumstances. You're not defined by the car you drive, the job you have, what others think. You're only defined by God and God alone, and he identifies you as your own. Is there any greater strength or comfort than that, than being a child of God? Amen. One amen. Thank you. All right. But the thing is, sometimes we struggle. We don't always know who we are. Right? Sometimes we struggle. We have these difficulties. It's part of what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to confuse us and say, okay, well, listen, no, you're over here, or you need to be over there. Sometimes we, 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 we forget our focus but you are, God, you are who God says that you are, and there's nothing else other than that. I love this quote from Tim, Tim Keller. He says, the only person in the universe whose opinion counts is God's, and he finds you more valuable than all the jewels in creation. Because of the power of the resurrection, you're identified as a child of God. But that's not where it ends, right? Okay, I'm God's, great, now what? You know, something I'm sure we've all learned about life, and life's un life is unpredictable, right? We're going along, we think we're going along smoothly, then all of a sudden, wham, we hit a guardrail. I was heard a story today about one of our sisters, Lori Wahlberg, who was helping, you know, was getting ready to come sing in choir today, was helping her husband with a, sw with a swing sweat, swing, swing set, or something with a swing set, piece of word falls on her foot, breaks her foot. 
Oh, I know, I, I just found out. So things are going good. I'm going to go sing praises tomorrow. You know, something happens. That's life. That's part of the world. That's a part of the sinful world that's around us. Life is full of stresses. It's full of disappointments. It's full of setbacks and trials and tragedies. I thought being a child of God meant my life was going to be rainbows and butterflies. Right? That's not it. The power of Christ, the risen Christ, by providing his Holy Spirit, <clears throat> by providing his Holy Spirit is something that carries, it, carries us through with his grace and with his strength. The power of the resurrection can fill you with the strength to face the day. Paul tells us in Romans 8, he says, If the Spirit of Him, of God, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who, raised Jesus, he, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you, us, life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit which dwells in you. That means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the one that was involved in creation, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, the one that came upon his disciples at Pentecost dwells and lives inside of us to give us the strength to face every challenge. Now, I, one of my early experiences here at the church, and I've shared this, is um, as, was spending time with Eric Sorter, and I, and I asked Faye's permission to, to, share, to share the story here. Eric was really, my first involvement in ministry was in Awana, and, and Eric was influential in that. And shortly after, um, after Eric had, had had that impact on my life, he was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and sadly, um, well, sadly, cancer took hold of his body, but he's at home with the Lord right now. And when I came to his memorial service, this was the first memorial service, memorial service I experienced here at Graceway. And from my background, I figured it to be a time of mourning but I was amazed at the amount of celebration that was here. I was amazed that the Holy Spirit filled the house and filled his family. And at the very end, they were singing a final hymn. I don't remember what the hymn was, but the hymn was done, and Faye just stood there, hands raised to heaven, continuing to sing praises to Christ. The strength for that and that sort of difficult, tragic time can only come from the Holy Spirit. And I just, I just, that is just a constant just reaffirmation for me of the power of the Holy Spirit when I face any challenge. The great promise is that no matter the hardship or the trouble or the favor, the, the, no matter the, the, the struggles, the hardship or the challenges that we face, nothing can separate us from Jesus Christ. Paul tells us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor heights, or depths, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can that be? We have a resurrected Savior that gives us His Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and nothing can separate us from the love of his Father. Amen. So, what does the resurrection mean for you today? For some people, it was an ancient event. For some people, it happened 2,000 years ago. It doesn't matter that it happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he is alive today. Many are desperate to make a change in their lives. But here's the truth. You don't need to do it alone. Jesus gives you the power to transform your life. God made us to depend on Christ. 
Some can't let go of their past failures and past mistakes. But Jesus Christ has come to cancel your sins and wipe them off his record. Some might feel like a failure or a loser or a has-been. Maybe your identity is wrapped up in what you've done. But the power of the resurrection creates, can create a new identity in you. It can bring you, it draws you into God's family, gives you a new title, a new identity of accepted as forgiven, as a loved child of God. Or some might feel powerless to change, right? But the strength of God given to us through the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to carry on each and every day. The resurrection means that there is no situation too large for no, there is no situation too large for Christ. There is no situation that is hopeless. Our hope, our promise, comes through Jesus Christ. You may have noticed that I was using words like "can." The power of the resurrection can do this. Can forgive your sins. Can create a new identity. Can fill you with the strength. It gives a, an impression of incompleteness. When Jesus said the words, it is finished, well, I thought you said it is finished. Jesus sacrificed the, sacrifice, the payment for the sins is finished, but there still needs to be one other part of that. We still need to accept Christ into our hearts as Savior, right? By accepting Christ into our hearts, it transforms, it, it, changes, it changes the effect of the resurrection from it can do this to it does do this. It changes it from, well, it can cancel your sins to it does cancel your sins. It does create a new identity. It does fill you with strength. Perhaps you're here right now, and you've maybe heard these words before, and you're like, oh, I wasn't really sure what a relationship with Christ was about. Or maybe this is the first time that you're hearing the gospel presented this way. But I want to give you the opportunity right now to let the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power that comes from the resurrection, to transform your life. There's a simple prayer that you can say. Right? Prayer, it's not about the words. Right? It's about what comes in your heart. So I'm going to lead us in that prayer right now. Right? And I just ask you if, you, feel the Holy, if you feel yourself being moved, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving you into a relationship with Christ, accept him. Don't fight it. It's an irresistible force. You cannot fight it. Anyone here as a believer will tell you the same thing. You cannot fight Christ. Christ, when he wants you, he wants you. And he's going to call you his own. So what I would ask you to do is close your eyes, bow your heads, and I just want you to repeat these words in your heart with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have made past mistakes. And no matter how great they are, I know that your son, Jesus Christ, can forgive those sins. I know that he died on the cross for me. I need him in my life. So Jesus, please enter my life today. Please forgive me my sins. I want your power to rest inside of me, and I want to commit my life to you. Now, with your, so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, can you please raise your hand? I would love to acknowledge you. I would love to pray for you, and I would love to just continue to share the love of Jesus Christ with you this day. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, um, Father. Thank you so much for opening the hearts of these individuals, Father. Thank you so much for allowing your spirit to come inside of them, Father. And we pray for their growth. We pray for their relationship in Jesus Christ, Father, that they can be transformed by the power of the resurrection. Father, we know that it has canceled their sins this moment. Father, we know that the spirit now dwells inside of them, creates a new identity in them, and will transform their lives for Christ. So, Father, as we, prepare to, as we prepare for the remainder of our day, Father, just allow us to carry the peace and the joy that comes through salvation through Jesus Christ with us no matter where we go. Father, we just commit the remainder of our time to you, and we ask all of this and pray all of this in the glorious name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.